If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Believe it or not, this is bringing a close to our John series. This has been about as quick as I could teach John as possible. We've taken pretty much one chapter a week, which means I've probably faithfully taught about 25% of John, if that. We've had moments where we just landed on specific stories, looking at John through the lens of our theme of encountering Jesus. When we look at John, we see that John had individual encounters, and we see that as Jesus encountered those people, it forever changed their lives. And we looked at, we've been looking at these stories and really asking the question, how could, how might we, when we encounter Jesus, have that same effect on us? So for example, today, as we look at John chapter 21 and the impact that Jesus has in this encounter with his disciples, specifically Peter, what impact and what is he teaching Peter and how might he be teaching and challenging me maybe through this story also. So John chapter 21, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat back in front of you. Uh, One of the black hardback Bibles, we're on page 907. John chapter 21, we're going to pretty much read it in its entirety, and then we're going to walk through it. So John chapter 21, verse 1, if you're there with me, would you simply say amen? After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this Way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out in and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. We'll pause there. We'll eventually get to verse 15, but I want us to pause for a moment and just kind of unpack this part of the story, and then we'll carry on to the other parts of the story. 
The focus, as we look at today's story, is going to be on Peter. We already see that already in some of the things that have been revealed by the fact that John was having a conversation with Peter. Peter realized it was him, and it's already telling us that Peter jumped out in the water and Peter swam to him. And so Peter is already a focus point in the story. A lot of times, as we're going to see in a minute, that this is a story where we're going to see how Jesus is confronting, if you will, or uh, dealing with the fact that Peter had denied Jesus three times prior to this. If you remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter was asked three times, hey, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? Peter would respond, no, I am not. And Jesus had already told him, you were going to deny me three times, and he had denied him three times. And here's what I want to challenge us with as we look at this story tonight, is that I believe this is a story where Jesus is encountering Peter and is reestablishing Peter's leadership role within the mission of God. It is not a story that is simply a miracle of the fact that Jesus, once again, causes them to catch a lot of fish. It is not a story just of the fact that Peter is, or Jesus is trying to work with Peter on the fact that he denied him three times, but it's specifically Jesus is orchestrating the events of the story to remind Peter that his failure is not the end of his story. I want us to look quickly just at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is important because John chapter 21 is basically Luke chapter 5 take 2. And so it's important if we understand Luke chapter 5, it'll help us understand John chapter 21. Now, real quickly, I'm going to do uh, an overview of the Luke chapter 5 story in Matthew and Mark. The story where Jesus calls his disciples is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We get this story that we're about to read in Luke chapter 5. Now, I want to I kind of submit to you that I personally believe, now this is not exclusive or, or explicit in the text, and so there's debate about this, there, and I'll kind of give some example, but I firmly believe, I say firmly, firmly strong thing to say when it's not explicit in Scripture, but it's my, it's my opinion that Matthew and Mark are giving us a different encounter than Luke chapter 5 in the calling of the disciples. Uh, this isn't that important to the story, and it won't change at all the truth that we apply out of John 21. But in Matthew and Mark, we see Jesus call his disciples, and he calls his disciples, he walks down the shore, he calls more disciples, and they go on a short missionary journey. We see those six disciples in John chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 in John. We understand this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then after that Galilean preaching journey, he comes back, and then it's believed that if Luke chapter 5 is a separate story, then they went back fishing again. And then Jesus goes to them and catches them fishing again. He says, hey, come follow me again. Now, it's not that the first time didn't matter, but he specifically was calling them to a journey, a Galilean preaching journey. They come back from that journey. Then he calls them again in Luke chapter 5. Then they go on the much larger preaching journey. Why is that important and why are the distinctions made? Is because this idea at the beginning of John chapter 21, where Peter says, I will go fishing is pivotal to Peter's understanding of his role in the mission of God. Let me just read Luke chapter 5, and hopefully I can point out some things and help 
make sense to establish my argument. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, he heard the word of God. Uh, excuse me, they were pressing on him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners who were in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and follow after him. Now, once again, this is not part or even necessary for me to build my argument, but I've already made the assertion that Matthew and Mark are potentially a different story than Luke, although similar. What are different about them in Luke and Matthew and Mark? Uh, James and John were not fishing with Peter. Here in Luke chapter 5, they're now fishing with Peter, which goes along with the fact that they weren't partners before. Then they go on a missionary journey. They become friends, and now they're fishing together. Also, there was no crowd in Matthew and Mark. It was not morning in Matthew and Mark. And now it's later in ministry. There's a crowd around him. They're fishing together. But the point is, overall, and the reason why I bring that up, is that Peter had a relationship with Jesus before Luke chapter 5. Even if, because Matthew and Mark don't give us a lot of details, it's not as much as Luke, they could still all be the same story, but I'm bringing it up to say that this is not the first time in Luke chapter 5 that Peter has met Jesus. That's the whole point. That there's already a relationship there. There's already a discipleship relationship there. We know that John chapter 2, 3, and 4, the, the story of Nicodemus, the story at the woman of well, is for sure before Luke chapter 5. So we know that there's already been some journey where Peter is with Jesus. But then what? He goes on this short missionary journey with Jesus, and then he goes back fishing. Well, then he, Luke chapter 5 happens through this miracle of the fish, and then he understands that Jesus is the Messiah, and he recognizes that the Messiah is calling Peter to come be a part. And he says, Peter, you will be fishers of men. This is a call not only into the kingdom of God. This is not only a call to come and be to know Jesus and to worship Jesus, but to come be a part and lead out in the kingdom of God. He understood from Luke chapter 5 that he had a mission he understood that he had a purpose. He understood that God, that Jesus specifically wanted him. And he was honored for that. We understand that Peter was that type A leader. He was always the first one to talk. He was always the first one to lead. And we understand that he was often the one that Jesus gave extra information to. There are moments where just uh, uh, Peter, James, and John would go off with Jesus. And so he was kind of in the inner circle. He was a leader even with amidst the disciples. But then you have this moment where Peter denies Jesus three times. Now, 
when we come to John chapter 21, if we're not careful, we read this and go, well, Peter, because he didn't realize maybe that Jesus was resurrected, or maybe he didn't realize that there was still a mission going on, he just gave up on his calling to be a missionary, and he just went back fishing. And here, Jesus reveals himself that he's alive and he's resurrected, and so now Peter's excited to go follow him again. The problem with that is John chapter 21 says that Jesus has already revealed himself resurrected to Peter. So here's the question. If Peter understands that Jesus has called him to be fishers of men, Peter denies Jesus, Jesus dies. I'd imagine at that point, if I'm Peter, I'm going, well, he's dead. What are we to do? But then he's resurrected. You see that he's resurrected. Now you have a decision to make Peter. Are you going to spend the rest of your life serving the one who is resurrected, or are you going to go back fishing? What does John chapter 21 says? It says that Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Notice who follows him, the disciples, showing that he's a leader, showing that what Jesus said about him, that he was going to be a leader of God's church. Remember, Jesus told him, you and the preaching of the gospel is going to be the foundation in which the church is built. He said that to Peter. And now Jesus is resurrected. And is Peter preaching the gospel? No, he's fishing. When we look at Luke chapter 5, we understand that Jesus has already taken Peter on a mission trip. Short-term mission trip, probably six months on a journey. He comes back, mission trip over. My job's done. I'm going back fishing. And Jesus comes at him again and says, you're no longer a fisherman. Your identity is no longer that. I'm calling you to something greater Here's the problem, though. Peter, I firmly believe that Peter, because of his failure, believed that Jesus no longer wanted him in mission. I firmly believe that Peter understood that Jesus was resurrected. It says that Jesus saw that he was resurrected. Peter understood all who Jesus was. He understood that he was the Messiah. He understood all of those things. But what's the problem? Peter said, you know what? Now I've messed up. Jesus doesn't want me anymore. That because of my failure and because of my denial of him, he's not going to use me to plant his church anymore. What else am I to do except simply go back fishing? So what does Jesus do? He remakes the situation of Luke chapter 5. See, you and I are sensory type people, right? Thanksgiving was just recently. I always think of Thanksgiving because there's certain foods that only come out at Thanksgiving for me. Sweet potato casserole only comes out of Thanksgiving. Why? I have no idea. It should be there on a monthly basis. But it's one of those things that only comes out of Thanksgiving. But I smell it and I go, it's Thanksgiving. There's sensory moments. We are sensory people. This is the reason why we even have the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is symbolic to remind us of what Jesus has done. Because when we eat and we drink and we sense those items, we're reminded So this is what Jesus does. He recreates the sensory events in which Peter was called into ministry. As if to say, Peter, your failure does not define you. Your failure does not make you no longer wanted. And so this is the story of John chapter 21. Peter is out fishing. Does he have any luck? No. Did he have any luck in Luke chapter 5? No. It's morning. Luke chapter 5, it was morning. We understand that Jesus is there and he's calling out to them, hey, why don't you just throw your nets to the other side? Heard that before 
In Luke chapter 5, Peter didn't like that Jesus said that. Because here's the thing. Peter, at, up until Luke chapter 5, there's no instance where we see Peter call Jesus Lord. So up until Luke chapter 5, there's a good chance that Peter just saw Jesus as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher. Which means, you're good at theology, but I'm good at fishing. And so when the theology teacher tells the professional fisherman how to fish, the ego of the professional fisherman says, you don't really know what you're talking about. But okay, I guess I'll do it. So let me give it a shot. And so in Luke chapter 5, Peter throws the nest to the other side, and he can't haul it in. And that's when he realizes that's not just a theology teacher. But that's, that's, that's the Lord, like that's God. And what does it say? He comes and he bows down before him and he says, forgive me, I am sinful, O Lord. It's this moment where Peter recognizes the identity of Jesus and in light of that, Peter is called into ministry. And so Jesus reenacts that exact same story. But this time he hears the call and he still doesn't even recognize it's Jesus. John does. So once again, there's this similar uh, instance of identity notice between Peter and Jesus. And the moment he recognizes that it's such a large amount that they can't haul it all in, and he recognizes Jesus, he just hustles to the shore. He, he takes off swimming. Uh, I watched Home Alone recently. Uh, it's one of my Christmas favorites. And I always laugh at the part um, where the mom is trying so frantically to get home. She tries so hard to get home. She's, she's, she's bargaining with people to get their plane tickets. She rides in the back of a U-Haul truck, and then she gets there like five minutes before the rest of the family who just went with their normal tickets. And I always just laugh at the fact that she works so hard to basically get there at the same time. I don't know why I'm telling you that other than that, I think that's what happened with Peter here. He jumps, he's just so eager to get to Jesus that he jumps out and takes off swim, but it says they're only 100 yards from shore. The rest of the guys just rode in along beside him. They essentially get there at the same time. But the point was he was so eager to see Jesus. He was so eager to spend time with him. And Jesus has recreated this moment. And I wonder if Peter's going, hey, when was the last time Jesus said to throw my nets to the other side? Oh, yeah. It was that moment a few years ago where Jesus called me to be a follower of him. It was this moment where Jesus called me to live on mission for him. Jesus is reenacting the story. And then the dialogue comes. And we get picked this up in John chapter 21, verse 15. The dialogue goes like this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. He's specifically talking to Simon Peter. Why? Because Simon Peter's the leader. Simon Peter's the one that he recognizes that I've got to get Simon Peter on board. It's not if Jesus is going to have that hard of a time, but nonetheless, Jesus is trying to get Peter on board and the rest will follow. So he says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, here's an important interpretation question. Because how we answer the question I'm about to ask will determine how we understand the rest of what is said. When he asked the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Who is the these? I really wish John, inspired by the Spirit of God, would have not given us the pronoun here, but would instead would have just told us what it is. The demonstrative pronoun, whatever. I'm not a grammar teacher. But I wish he would have just told us what it was. Who is the these? Because the these here is it's a comparison on Peter's love for either Jesus or these. Now there's two options based off the text. Two 
potential options, and the options are this. One, do you love me more than these? Imagine he's pointing to the disciples. Is your love for me greater than the rest of these? Now, a lot of times this is initially where the these is thought to in our minds, but honestly, I don't think that makes sense. The second option, which I personally believe is what the these is referring to, is I believe he's pointing at the load of fish. Why do I think that? Let's answer the question. Let me give you the interpretational reasons. One, um, based off, we're going to get real technical for a second. In the Greek language, the antecedent, which is what the demonstrative pronoun is pointing back to, has to be either um, male, feminine, or neuter, neutral. So we get this in Spanish. Spanish has uh, masculine and feminine. Um, so maybe other languages do. English doesn't really, doesn't. But Greek does. And so you can tell that the these here is in the neuter, meaning it has to be referring back to something else that is either masculine or neuter because they're the same. Uh, they're the same in form. Well, here's the problem. Both these in referring to male disciples and these referring to fish, it could be either one based off grammar. Based off masculine, feminine, and how it's done, it could be either one of those. So technically, based off the language, it could be either. So now we just have to look at the context to go, all right, what might these be referring to? Could be the disciples, could be the fish. Here's why I think it's the fish. For two reasons. One, I think that's why John gave us the number of fish when he says 153. Why else is he telling us that the focus of the fish is a centerpiece of the story unless that they carry on into the rest of the story? It's a, I know it's a technical interpretation. I could be wrong. But why else does John tell us that there's 153 of them? One, we already know it's a lot, but we knew it was a lot in Luke chapter 5, but he didn't give us the number in Luke chapter 5. He doesn't have to give us the number to let us know it's a lot. He's already told us it's a lot. And the fact that they're counted means that they were a focal point in the story. But second reason is because of the whole context of the story. That Peter's going fishing instead of going preaching. That Peter's going fishing and going back to what he was before Jesus called him instead of living to the calling that came after fishing. So it's a question of, do you love me more than fishing? And when we look at the context, I personally believe this is what he's asking because Peter has a decision to make in Luke chapter 5 and here in John chapter 21. In Luke chapter 5, the decision is when Jesus says, hey, come follow me and be my disciple and I'll make you fishers of men. He's choosing in the moment in Luke chapter 5, do I fish for fish or do I fish for men? He has a decision to make. He has a decision to go, is this what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing, fishing for fish, or is this what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing, fishing for men? There's a decision on which is a top priority. Well, once again, in John chapter 21, it's the next time we see Peter go fishing again. He's back into this moment where Peter, or Jesus is calling Peter to make a decision. Which is your priority again? Is it going back fishing or is it going fishing for men? So when he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Meaning, are you willing to love and prioritize me and what I have for your life over fishing? Personally, this is what I think that these is referring to. To which Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said this a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, why does Jesus ask him three times? I think this is pretty, I personally think this is quite obvious. Because three times, Peter denies Jesus. So Jesus asked him three times as a way of undoing for Peter what Peter had already done in his failure. See, the whole chapter of John 21 is a beautiful reenactment of Luke chapter 5 in the current circumstances to reestablish the call of Peter on his life as if to say that just because you messed up does not mean that I no longer have use for you. But in fact, because of what I have done, because of the cross, because of my life, I now pour out my grace upon you and your failure no longer defines you, but instead your failure can be retold and can be undone and you still have a great purpose in the kingdom of God. So grateful that my worst moment does not define my call to ministry. So grateful that my worst moment does not define my ability to serve the Lord and to be used by him. And what I want to challenge you with today is neither does your failure. I can't tell you how many times I've told this to myself and I've heard it from others. God could never use me. You just have no idea some of the mistakes I've made. And I pray, not as a personal opinion from your pastor, but as and a faithful interpretation of John chapter 21 that you would hear me say that Jesus would say to you that that failure does not define you. That Jesus and the grace of Jesus and the call on, his, on your life to live your life for a kingdom purpose defines you. Your identity is not wrapped up in you and what you have done or what you could do for him, but it's wrapped up in the call that he has placed on your life. That now, that's just... This isn't to say that every person should stop fishing and go be preachers or go be pastors. Not saying that. But what I am saying is whatever the call is that God has on your life and the kingdom purpose that he has on your life, your sin and your failure does not immediately mean that you no longer have any purpose in God's kingdom. So grateful for that. And for Peter, I really believe this was the lie that he believed. Because Peter knew that Jesus was resurrected. Peter knew that he was the Messiah. But then he thought, but I denied him when I told him I wouldn't. I denied him three times. I've messed up so much. He doesn't want me anymore. He can't use me anymore. Guess I'll go fishing. I guess I'll go back to what I was before Jesus found me. Because... Jesus doesn't want me anymore. And Jesus very lovingly shows up. And he graciously reminds Peter, hey, remember a few years ago when I found you fishing? Well, I'm going to find you once again there in that moment. And I'm going to let you know that what happened a few weeks ago when you denied me doesn't change anything. That that failure doesn't change the fact that I got a call on your life. That that failure doesn't define you. But in fact, once again, Peter, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? Your failure has not changed the call I've placed on your life. Now, quick side note. This does not mean that morality has no impact in our calling. It does. We understand from 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 that specifically 
in Peter's role as a call to pastor and elder that there is morality and character matters. So I'm not saying that we can just mess up and it doesn't matter. I, I think we should very much strive to be faithful, but I also want us to balance this high expectation of character and morality that God has placed on us as Christians with the balance of recognizing that the gospel of Jesus is that we can never meet that standard anyways. But his grace has met us in our failures and has poured out his goodness on us. But the question is, do you still love him? And if so, Jesus would say to you, go feed my sheep, meaning go do what I called you to do. For Peter, that was feed the church. That was to lead the church. That was to teach the church. That may not be your calling. But what is your calling? Go do that. It might be... In reference to vocation, it might not. But here's what I firmly will challenge us with tonight. Is that every single one of us have a kingdom purpose for our lives. No matter what your vocation is. Whether you're a preacher, whether you're not a preacher. You have a kingdom purpose. That God wants to use you for his glory. Whether it be in your workplace, it be in your community, it be in your uh, neighborhood with your neighbors. It be with your family. God has a kingdom purpose for you. And don't ever think that because of just this one instance or this failure that God no longer wants me. But God loves you so very much that he gave his life to seek after you and to pursue you. Don't allow failure to keep you from pursuing and fulfilling your kingdom purpose. This is the message that I believe Jesus was calling to Peter. Peter, you messed up. I get that. And in fact, we're going to undo that. We're going we're to give you a do-over. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Okay, good. We've just redone the, the three times you denied me. But his challenge was then, then, then what are you doing fishing? Why are you here? I still want you. I want you to hear this. Maybe the best thing about the calling that God has on our life to live for him and his kingdom purpose it's not that he needs us to, but he wants us to. I mean, come on, man. Peter's a screw-up. I think that's what I love about Peter. Jesus did not choose Peter because he was the best of the best. Peter was a screw-up, and so were you and I. But he still wants us and invites us. The question is, do you love Jesus more than this world? Maybe John didn't give us the these to baby to help us better apply the these to our lives. Maybe he didn't say, hey, do you love me more than the other church people you're sitting next to? As if it's a love competition between us. Well, who we, who's going to prove that we love Jesus more? In light of this, I, I do love that John calls himself the one that Jesus loves. He, he, that's how he defines himself. I appreciate that. But it's not a competition. Do you love me more than these or do you love me? Maybe he left it with a these so that it's easier for us to fill in what the these are for us. Do you love Jesus more than what? And I pray that you would see that Jesus is inviting you as he was inviting Peter. That Peter, you can spend your life fishing. Oh, but there's so much greater for you than just fishing. I do love fishing and it's enjoyable, but you get the point. For him, he was saying, I've got something different for you. Will you trust me? Will you walk with me? And will you not allow your failure to keep you out from living your kingdom purpose. 
Church family, I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes because I want you to reflect on that question. Peter had to wrestle with his failure. And he had to wrestle with the fact that Jesus still loved him and called him. He had to accept that forgiveness. He had to accept that grace. Will you do the same here this evening? All of us have things that we're ashamed of. All of us have things that maybe we've done in our past that the enemy uses to say, God doesn't want you anymore. God doesn't want to use you anymore. You have nothing to offer anymore. Just go back fishing. Just go back to the way things were before you encountered Jesus. Would you hear Jesus lovingly say to you, don't do that, but I do love you and I do want you and I desire to use you and I invite you in to what I'm doing. Would you come be a part of it? Would you receive his grace and forgiveness tonight? Would you trust him tonight? Would you not allow your failure to keep you from living your kingdom purpose? Would you, would you instead recognize that Christ has taken your failure on the cross, forgiven you of it, and invites you to live out the call that is on your life for his honor and glory? It's all about him. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Then go do what I called you to do. Go do it. Father, I pray over my family that I love so dearly. Father, I believe that this church is filled with people who have incredible giftings to be used for your glory. But I pray too often we buy into the lie that God doesn't want our us. And might we hear today that Jesus, you're saying, I do want you. I gave my life to tell you I wanted you not only for the forgiveness of your sins, but I have a purpose for your life, a good purpose that's far greater than what you could imagine for your own life. Come be a part. Come serve. Come love people. Come care for people. Come represent me to the world around you. I want to use you. I desire to use you and I have died to remove the guilt and shame of your failures and your sins. So let go of them and don't hold on to them anymore. Jesus, I pray that we would hear that today. Pray that I would hear that today. Thank you for your goodness. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.